Now, if I go on a little bit long this morning, my watch died. <laughs> it's sitting in my office, plugged in. Yes, I have to plug in my watch. But really, that's just an excuse. Because I don't really time my sermons. I just let God take it. But I just wanted you to hear an excuse this morning. Now, last week, and it will make sense in a minute, last week I spoke about us running our races. These are the races that were called to run by God. I spoke of us running our races, even if we're not sure where they will lead us, just as God called Abraham to pack and move to a far country. God didn't tell Abraham where to go, just that he was to go, and that God would show him the way. I called each one of us to run our race and make a difference in our church and community. And in all that talking about racing, I ignored completely the idea that some of us might just not be crazy to run our races. We don't want to do it. We can come up with hundreds of excuses. We can find excuses for just about everything and anything that we're called upon to do. But can you imagine Abraham when God called him saying, Now God, you know I just had two new lambs born. I can't expect these lambs to get very far on their own or very fast. So they're going to hold us up, so I don't know if we can go. Or maybe... God, what do I say to my family and friends that I'm not taking with me? I mean, my father's going to think I've lost my mind. Now, I know I can just order my servants to go, but how do I get Lot to come with me? Lord, do you see all these animals and all these people I'm responsible for? Can you really think that I can get them all to move? God, where are you taking me? And his last excuse might have been, God, I'm afraid. Abraham could have come up with lots of excuses. Yet God was there before Adam, Abraham was even ready to move. God was already there with Abraham before he came up with the first excuse. The same thing happened in our story of Jeremiah. God calls Jeremiah to enter the race as one of his prophets. And God speaks to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I know you. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> I don't want you to think that, I, that it's written in this, uh, this partial phraseology that I use sometimes. <laughs> Jeremiah, I formed you in the womb. Jeremiah, I prepared you, I consecrated you even before you were born. God already had Jeremiah's race planned out. God already knew what Jeremiah was going to need for Jeremiah's race before Jeremiah was even born. God already has plans for you and your race before you were born. God already knew what you would need in order for you to run your own race. Amen? 
Jeremiah came up with excuses. God, I'm only a boy. Like, God didn't know that. <laughs> I don't know how to speak. Jeremiah was ready with his excuses of why he couldn't run the race that God put before him. Yet God knew him. What are your excuses for not running your race? Well, God, I'm kind of busy right now. God, I've got to take care of my children or my children's children or my grandchildren. You know, God, I'm really busy. I have to find a spouse. There's got to be someone for me. God, I just have so many hours that I have to be at my job. And maybe you have the same excuse that Abraham could have used. God, I'm afraid. God knows your excuses. But God has already prepared you and provided you with everything you need to overcome your excuses. For Jeremiah, God overcame excuses by saying, you will go to whom I send you. God prepared his audience. God prepared the people who would hear Jeremiah speak. He prepared them to hear the words that Jeremiah would speak that comes from God. God will do the same for you. God will send you to those who God prepares for you to speak to. And it might not be a huge audience. It might be one person. God also put God's hand upon Jeremiah's mouth and put God's words into Jeremiah's mouth. Don't you wish you could just open your head and pour the Bible in? Jeremiah didn't have to worry about thinking up what to say. He didn't have to come up with the words. God put the words there for Jeremiah. God will put the words into your mouth also. And if you're not sure where to find those words, it's called the Bible. You have to open it up. Got to crease that center that's been closed for a long time, blow off the dust, come to Bible study. God had responses for Jeremiah's excuses before Jeremiah could even speak them. God's got responses for your excuses before you can even get them off the tip of your tongue. But let's also take a moment to look at our Psalms passage that was read so well by Amy, and we need to kind of read between the lines. And that doesn't mean I'm making it up. It's when you see someone who writes something that says, um, I'm really sad, well, then you know something happened to that person to make him sad. So when the psalmist writes, thank you for saving me, God, well, then you can assume something happened to this person that required them to be saved. That's reading between the lines sometimes in Scripture. When someone says, thank you for saving me, they needed saving. That could be the assumption you make. So our psalmist writes, In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Which means something was going on in this individual's life that they needed a place of refuge. They needed a place where they could feel safe. They needed a place where they could go 
and feel protected. God was there for the psalmist. The psalmist writes, Upon you I have leaned from my birth. My praise is continually of you. This writer could have found excuses of why they couldn't praise God. They could have said, oh, woe is me. Look at the trouble I am. I need refuge. I can't do this. I can't praise God. I've got hard stuff going on in my life. He could have come up or she could have come up with these excuses. The wicked are so unjust, God, I can't praise. Look what's happening in my life. Might sound familiar. We get in trouble, and the first thing we do is we blame God. We walk the other way instead of coming towards God. Yet this psalmist remembers that God has always been present for them even before they were born. God has provided hope and a place for them to put their trust. Again, God prepared this writer of this psalm in the psalmist's life before they could even come up with the excuses. So even though bad things were going to happen in their life, God has prepared them with what they needed so they could continue to praise God. Our third example this morning is Jesus. And you wouldn't think uh, Jesus would have excuses, but we don't always get to read behind the scenes of what's going on in Jesus' mind. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and there's an elderly woman who has had an ailment that has caused her to be bent over. She has been bent over for 18 years. Now, if you're not sure what this means, this is what this means. This woman for 18 years has lived like this. This was her world, the ground. She might have had to done one of these kind of things to see the person she was talking to, but her life was looking at the ground with the hopes that she didn't walk into someone. She was bent over. Also notice that she has no vocal part in the story. She doesn't get to speak. She is just there. I almost get the impression that Jesus had already started teaching, and all of a sudden at one point in his teaching, he looked up, and there she was. Somehow she had pushed her way through the crowd so that she could be closer to Jesus. Maybe she was late to synagogue, so that's why he didn't notice her at first. I mean, being bent over, it can't be too easy to get dressed or to do your morning cleanup, your bathing, your brushing your teeth, even the combing of your hair. In that position, it's got to be hard to walk to synagogue. It's not like she could call a rickshaw or a taxi. She had to make sure she was going in the right direction, Because again, the ground looks like the ground looks like the ground no matter where she was walking. And she had to be careful that she didn't bump into folks. So she certainly had plenty of built-in excuses of why she shouldn't have come to synagogue that day. Oh God, I just don't want to have to get up and go through all the routine to get ready to go to synagogue. Oh God, I just don't want to have to get up and get dressed to go to church. It's so tiring to get dressed, make my bed, brush my teeth, just so I can go to church, I mean to synagogue. God, it's so hard to get there. 
walking down those dirt roads, being sure that I don't bump into anyone. Oh, God, that traffic sometimes. It's just so hard to get to church. Yet there she is. Jesus sees her. And Jesus knows what he must do. Jesus came to seek and save. Jesus came to heal those in need, both physically and spiritually. Jesus knew what his race was all about. For even Jesus had a race. Jesus was called. He had a priority and a purpose for God. And that's why he came. What is your calling? What is your priority? What is your purpose for God? Jesus knows that today his race will call him to heal this woman in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Oh, my goodness, on the Sabbath in the synagogue. And Jesus, I can imagine, just for a a, a quick moment in his head, oh, man, if I heal this woman, these religious leaders are going to be so ticked off at me. They're going to be so angry that I did this on the Sabbath and in the synagogue, no less, where I'm supposed to be teaching. Let me just add some fuel to the fire and really get them upset. But I have a race. I have a race that calls me to heal and to save and no matter what, and do it no matter what anybody thinks or says. Jesus healed the woman. Jesus did not live with excuses. Jesus then reminds the synagogue officials, it's more important for you to run your race than worry about following laws that restrict one from doing what God calls you to do. Now, that's not exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said, you hypocrites. See, my version sounded so much nicer. (laughs) You hypocrites. Do not each of you on the Sabbath untie one's ox or one's donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water. And are not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 long years, be set from free from this bondage on the Sabbath day. Jesus tells them, get over your excuses. Stop forming excuses and run your race. Do what God has called you to do on the Sabbath, in the synagogue, and everywhere. I know I lived with excuses for many years. God, I'm a woman. Like, God didn't know this. <laughs> and God made me that way. Now, God, I can't be a pastor. I'm a lesbian. Again, like, God didn't know this. <laughs> I can't be a pastor. God, I'm afraid. What if someone hurts Darlene or I because I'm a pastor, a gay pastor, a gay female pastor in a world that doesn't like either one of these? I repeated these excuses for years. Yet God and God's wisdom, through the use of many people, through the word of God, showed me that these were just excuses that I was using to not run the race that God had called me to run. God showed me how God could and would overcome my excuses. There came a time in my life that I had to give up my excuses and run my race. came a time in my life in which running my race, not running, it was more painful 
than living with the excuses. God helped me to see my excuses and overcome them. God can do the same for you. What's your race? What's your excuses? Check out your excuses and see how God has already has a plan in place to overcome them. Examine those excuses and realize, just like me, you are already overcoming them. But it actually sometimes becomes more comfortable to keep repeating the excuses and ignoring God. Some of you have musical and administrative abilities and talents that are absolutely amazing yet you keep repeating your excuses for not joining the choir, not helping to lead music, or not becoming a board member. There are no excuses. Run your race like Jeremiah, with God's word already inside of you, and with God leading you. Amen. Let us rise as we are able and join together in singing our hymn of response.